0: Angel, listen. We're going to pray for you. Oh, thank before you. you, start as well. I don't want so girl, girls, <laughs> let's just stretch out our hands towards Pam. Uh, Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for Pam's life and the, and the joy that she is to your heart, God. And Father, I just pray tonight as she shares, God, Father, that something will flow from heaven, Father, from her heart that you've invested in her to all our hearts around here but father that you would flow heaven's energy into her heart as she speaks out father because as we sow in your kingdom father you ought you just build us up more and more as we if you as you call us out father you always meet us god you go beyond with expectation in our own hearts and lives god as we trust you father and i know father that you've met Pam in so many beautiful and special ways, God. And I just pray, Father, that as she speaks, God, that she will know uh, your comfort like never before, that she will know your courage like never before, God, and that she will know you're calling her out, God, like never before, God, in Jesus' name, God. And Father, we just speak eternal blessings upon her right now, God, Father, that you've seen her in the moments that have been tough over the past while and you've been with her, God, in those moments, God, and you're with her right now, Father. And I just pray, Father, that it'll be a revelation of just how eternal uh, the the perspective you have in us. And I just pray, Father, that that perspective will just open wider, Father, for us all tonight, God. But in Pam's heart, Lord Jesus, as she just... uh, brings to us what she's had on our heart, God. I just pray, Father, that will be a, a deeper revelation of who you are, Father, that you'll open our eyes, Father, to see you how you would want us to see you, God. In Jesus' name, Lord, bless Pam tonight as she speaks, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: I just have to remind myself that it's just all friends we are here we're just gathered around having a cup of tea together and i'm not gonna let this get to me um yeah real privilege to be able to come and share with you tonight and i just want to um those worship songs, I mean, I think, I don't think there's anybody in here doesn't know some of, I'll be telling you a bit of our story, but you um, I mean, the road we've been on and when things are really tough uh, in this last year, two years, worship was where I got comfort. I sometimes couldn't even pray. I just come and worship. And just to sing, great is our Lord, and um, breath in our lungs, and that was prophetic. I would sing over Callum, God's breath in our lungs, God's breath in His lungs, no matter what state these lungs were in, it was the breath of God in them. And you know, the other one, God is so good. See, when you sing that, put somebody's name into it because if you're sitting near me, you'll hear me shy. You singing, uh, it was Callum's, blessed Callum's, called Callum's, healed Callum's. I forget what the rest of it says, but you know, put in um, somebody's name in that and use it as a prophecy, a claiming, because I would say Callum's healed, Callum's whole. Um, callum's saved in Jesus' name. And praise God, all my boys know Jesus, and that's a privilege, and I'm just so thankful for that. So tonight, oh, better, I'm I've I've had to bring the son with me for the technology, by the way. I'm no techno person. But this is really what my title is, For With God Nothing Shall Be Impossible. And that's just what we kept claiming in these last, ty- last couple of years. Um, you know, those of you all know, I'm married to Colin and I'm blessed with three wonderful boys. So here they are. As you'll recognise, that's not a recent photo. That's about 15 years ago. <laughs> but just so you're all up to date with what my boys look like. Um, you know, um, children are a blessing from the Lord. And um, when Callum was born, um, he wasn't a well baby. And nowadays, all newborn babies get screened for cystic fibrosis, um, but in uh, back in the day, <laughs> that screening only came in actually the year after Alistair was born. Alistair was a sick baby, and he was, or Callum was a sick baby, rather, getting them mixed up already. Um, and he was four months old, and he was in hospital, a failure to thrive, really a sick baby, and. Uh, he was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, and it sort of came as a shock, and yet it didn't, because for four months, I knew there was something wrong with my boy. I didn't know what it was. Um, that had crossed my mind. I didn't know a lot about CF, but uh, that was enough to, you know, I had that doubt um and you know you do wonder when you face times like this where is God and all this and then we went on and there's Aaron and so Callum's 25 now Aaron's 21 and Alistair my baby down the back is 17 (laughs) he was going to come in disguise with his wig on tonight but I said nobody will mind him coming um so you know um we were told after with Callum that one in four chances with every pregnancy a baby would have cystic fibrosis and we prayed against that really believed that that wasn't going to happen and big shock it happened again and it happened again and you know I'll not lie after Alistair was born and he he behaved very like Callum very quickly I knew before they even did testing I knew in my heart he had cystic fibrosis and I, I was cross with God I was I'll not deny that because it's like Lord We've prayed against this. And I know, I stand here, I don't know the answers of why my boys have this diagnosis over them, as whatever circumstances you're in, we don't have the answers. But praise God, I know I have peace that He has the answers. And I knew God saying to me, uh, the wise of the world will be upon you and you know our story I'm not up here because hey look what we've been through as a family but I do believe our story our testimony is of God's goodness of God's greatness in this journey so um Diagnosed with Cystic Fibrosis, I'll tell you a wee bit about, for those of you, this is a wee wee biology lecture, okay? Just in case you've been hearing this this term, Cystic Fibrosis, what is it? Cystic Fibrosis is a genetic condition affecting more than 10,500 people in the UK. People with CF experience a build-up of sticky mucus in the lungs, digestive system and other organs, causing a wide range of challenging symptoms affecting the entire body. So that was what we were faced with and that's what the world tells us about cystic fibrosis and very quickly we had to learn an awful lot about cystic fibrosis and how to care for our boys and you know through it all although we would hear what the medical staff were saying and believe you me I'm thankful for modern medicine and the progress that's going on and the wisdom and the advice and the care and never did we not do what they asked of us but always I knew God was above it all. God is the great physician. And no matter what they would go through, and they've all had their ups and downs, all three of them, it um, was never going to lose sight. And, you know, our boys led normal childhood i hope they think that anyway they're up to m- you saw in that picture just mischievous little boys that i miss that stage you see girls you're all your little boys at home and little girls enjoy them because too quick they grow up and leave home and um, so never complain when they're all around you because i miss that and <laughs> um, so you know we would when we would go to the cf clinic every month every couple of months and you got faced oh, it was a mammoth session all of um you know, we had to see the doctor, the nurse, the respiratory physician, the, the dietitian, the psychologist, you name them, we saw them. And when you have three boys to go through by the end of it, Colin and I are practically on our knees. The boys running riot doing whatever in the clinic at the same time. Um, But you know, we came out always really, it, it was, cystic fibrosis was back in our face. And although we had to hear all these things and we had to know what we had to do, we had to come home and make a positive decision of, right, this is what CF's all about. But we're, you know, we've got God, we're greater than this through our God, and we're not going to let it dominate our lives, um, define our boys. Yes, they live with CF, but it wasn't going to be what was the most, you know, the thing identified with them. Um, When Callum was a baby, uh, after we brought him home from the hospital, and he was diagnosed, um, they... They came in and they told me I was on my own. I think the plan to wait to call him was there, but as usual, I knew he would had this testing and I wanted to know the answer, and so I was barging them, come on, tell me, tell me. Um, have you got the results? So I was on my own with Callum, and they came in and told me, and I still can remember being in that room, and obviously I was shocked, and they even, I think I was holding Callum so tight, I think they thought I was going <laughs> to suffocate him, that they took him from me and took him out of the room, and suddenly I was in the room by myself. And all I can say is there was a peace came into that room. I was heartbroken, but I knew the presence of God in that room. And I heard a voice say to me, I will heal him. Well, you know, I thought, great Lord, they're going to retest tomorrow and there's going to be a mistake. And, and you know, all the way when we really believe, you know, believe in healing and pray for healing, um, but you know, as time went on, as we came out of hospital, this was a verse that meant an awful lot to us because uh, we were just back from Canada. Um, Callum had been born out there, actually, and we were living with Colin's parents. And uh, their church all came round, and we had a prayer meeting, and they prayed over Callum. And this was the verse, which has always all these years stuck with me. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And this is a scripture that I've constantly spoken over my boys. Jesus has come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not a half quality life, a full life. And you know... In scripture, we have to claim these scriptures. We are so grateful for God's word, but it's not just words on paper. This is God's word. And if God says that, he means that. But we have to take hold of it and declare it. And it goes along this verse here, Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And that's something I'm always telling, reminding myself, and I encourage you, as we did every time we spoke over the boys, it had to be positive, it had to be life-giving. I knew in my head that God had said, I will heal him. Now, what was healing back then as a baby, I expected it all just to be reversed, and I didn't expect it, that's what I was really hoping for. But over the years, I've learned to realize that God was real to me that day when he said, I will heal him. Healing didn't come as I expected it to be no longer a diagnosis of CF, but actually by the next day when they'd started the treatment, Callum had gone from a baby that wasn't feeding, he had a tube down to feed him because he wouldn't feed, he'd stopped smiling, he was as white as a sheet, there was lots of things, he was a really run-down poor little baby. And within a couple of days, my goodness, what a difference we had in our hands. And, you know, we just like came to life suddenly and literally came to life. And, you know, s- suddenly we had our baby back. And, you know, I just knew God saying to trust him because whatever that I will heal him means, he is he, true to his word. And, you know, there we went on with all the boys having a um you know, just speaking like that, that verse, just remember that. I even found myself yesterday saying something which was (laughs) about my husband and his health, and suddenly it wasn't the the fruit that was coming out of my mouth. I thought, I've just been negative over his health and what Colin's been through, and I thought, oh, you know, so we have to learn it day by day, speak life over the situation, because that's what the Bible has told us to do. So, you know, that's, that just became the norm where possible over these boys. Every time there was ill health, we would speak life, we would speak the promises of God. And on, you know, on, over the years, the boys had ups and downs in and out of hospital. They all had a, a story to tell. Um, but it was probably only be two, three years ago that really suddenly Callum's health changed a lot. Now he had done really well at school, gone on to university, got his degree, got engaged. He had a great job and he was so blessed. But I could hear every time I saw him. I was just very aware this cough was getting really bad, and, and it just sounded worse. And over a year or so, he was in and out of hospital a few times and needing IV antibiotics. And it just wasn't like him. He, you know, the way he'd had episodes before this was really. Um, I could see a difference. But each time he, he perked back up again, his lung functions came back up, and would praise God. Yeah, absolutely praise God for for all those stages. But two years ago. Callum really hit a brick wall in his health and... um I guess, and I don't blame Callum for this, if anybody suffers from chronic conditions that you deal with day in, day out, all your life, suddenly it can become, you, you just feel like you're losing the battle. Callum just felt like nothing I'm doing is working, I'm doing everything the hospital tells me and I'm just not getting better. And he wasn't was in a, he wasn't as good a place mentally of caring for himself, is probably what I would say, and he came back to live with us because he couldn't work, he was, he was really in poor health. I was in real despair and, you know, I just had to get before God and worship and and trust him and I I really, at times, I felt so out of control. Here was this mother, when they're children, you can tell them what to do, but when they're adults, they do their own thing. Um, But anyway, he eventually got admitted to hospital and because he lived in Dundee, it was nine wells. And... um, his health was really poor, really poor. He had lost a lot of weight, his lung functions. I was absolutely stunned how low they were. His oxygen levels were in his boots. And um, yeah, we were just being told how ill he was. And that was quite a shock. Um, That night, driving home from hospital, um, God told me in the car to go home and read Psalm 41. And I really didn't know what was in Psalm 41, but that's what I was told in the car. And when I got home, this is what I read. When trouble comes, the Lord will save them. The Lord will protect them and spare their life, and will bless them in the land. He will not let their enemies take them. The Lord will give them strength when they are sick, and he will make them well again. And I just read that and reread it, and I have it underlined in my Bible, and actually, changed the words of them and put in Callum's name and it was actually only yesterday when I was putting this together a couple of days ago when I thought I right, better make sure I've got because in my notes I had Callum's name put in where it said he will not let the, um, their enemies take Callum, the Lord will give Callum strength when they are sick and he will make Callum well again and that's that's really I, almost, I, I always was reciting, reciting that verse with Callum's name but you know when I read that I just got a new revelation that this was plural, that this wasn't just for Callum, that this was for Aaron and Alistair as well, that I was claiming them, that they will be well, that they, you know, um, for Aaron and Alistair, they're not going to have to go down the route that Callum's gone down. Cal- God's hands on them just as much as on Callum's. And it was a really difficult few weeks in hospital. Um, he was in for a few weeks and... Uh, by the time he got home um you know he wasn't recovering like how he used to um and although he was off the oxygen really his oxygen levels were very poor and basically they're telling us well that's his normal oxygen level now and but you know he may he may improve and so we were just standing in faith that you know he will improve he will improve he'll recover from this um and so for a few months and he, he got back to work but he was never quite where he had been and you know we're speaking life in this situation all the time and all that positive words and positive scriptures and um, it was it was very it was a hard time um and then that was november 17 that he, that, that all started and then by by april the following year um callum became worse again and had to go back into hospital And this was the scripture that I was given was, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. We felt so out of control. Um, Callum got taken into hospital, and it wasn't just an infection this time. Um, You know, you'll breathe in oxygen, and you breathe out your carbon dioxide, if you remember your biology classes. Well, Callum's lungs were having trouble getting rid of the carbon dioxide, and that was building in him. And he was really ill one night that they took him to high dependency, and it all happened very late at night. Um, I have to say, I was there most of the time. The hospital were great, um, and they the brought him out into sort of the where in the ward that could keep an eye on him, and every member of staff was about midnight or around him working on him, and I all i could do was manage to get in at where his feet were at the bottom of the bed because everybody was working over him and there was real fear in callum's face there was and they were wanting to start him on this machine called a non-invasive ventilation and just help the lungs get rid of that carbon dioxide and you know, I felt so helpless, but my hands just on his feet, and I just was praying over him and praying over him. And I just, <laughs> I felt like it was invisible to everybody, which is quite good. But, you know, they were all doing their job, but I could see the fear in Callum, and I have to say that day, I said, Lord, if this isn't going to be a good outcome, take him now. I can't watch him suffer like this anymore. And they took him off to high dependency, and, you know, as suddenly as carbon dioxide resu- re- um, levels started to, improve and it was the next morning the anaesthetist came in to him and he went Callum we were certain we were taking you to intensive care last night to ventilate you and we knew that if he'd got ventilated when your lungs aren't in great condition that that wasn't a good thing to be happening. And, you know, I just praise God. There was an answer in the darkness. There was an answer. You know, you as a church were just amazing through all this, Um, the prayer support we had, um, people praying, supporting us in practical ways as well. there being dinners supplied at home for everybody else. And, and, you know, we were so blessed to know that there was always people praying for him. Um, At times we found it hard ourselves to pray, and you just... just have to take in how awesome our god is and remember in that bit that nothing's impossible with god and when he was in hospital that time i even had a couple of visions and i'm not really into all this but god i know this came from god and because i would we would sit in his room and put on worship music by this stage cal and when i say when he became really unwell he maybe wasn't mentally in the best place by this stage God had answered that prayer. Callum was back in order, doing everything he could for his own health, back in place with God. Um, He just... Callum didn't become a Christian until he went to university, and so he was a relatively young Christian, as he said, he grew up in the church, but he knew all the th- things in his head about Jesus and about God, but it was always like, that'll I'll deal with that another day, and it wasn't until he went to university that he took Jesus into his heart, and it was just good that even through this illness, I could see his mind back in place, back in gear, and we would play worship music constantly, and... Um, I had a vision of two angels standing at the head of his bed. He was lying sleeping with their spears, protecting him. And I just felt such a peace to know that God was telling me, I'm here, I'm in control. It mightn't look it in the natural eye, but I'm here. And even the vision of Jesus coming and laying his hands on his chest and I just thought, oh, that's Jesus. Just, he's, he's, he's healing those lungs. He's restoring them back to full health because we're still being spoken about. You know, he might turn the corner and improve and everything. Um, but in this vision, Jesus actually left the room and said, not yet, Callum. And that I struggled with. I was like, what do you mean you're not here? But God says, I leave my angels standing guard over him. And I just knew we weren't at the end of the journey yet, but I knew that God was in the journey with us. Um, He got out of hospital again but by this stage he needed oxygen all the time, he needed the non-invasive, the NIV machine, Um, he used it overnight to help his lungs work properly to expel that carbon dioxide. Um, In the July, again, he was hit by another infection. I think the hospital sort of got to the bottom of it all at that point and identified an infection that had really caused all this damage. Um, And praise God, from that time on, there was no further infections with Callum. And I thank you for praying that protection over him because I said that so many times, just keep him free from infection. His lungs were just now not working very well. But he was free, finally, of the infection. Well, of course, at this time... This is summer 2018, and, you know... he stayed, was engaged, and he was then looking forward to the wedding. And, uh, yeah, what a miracle that day was. I kept praying all summer. I would see a miracle the day of his wedding. I would believe that he would dance at his wedding. I'd thank God he will dance at his wedding. Sometimes I say it was a bit more of a shuffle, but at least he danced of some sorts. Callum would shuffle anyway, no matter what stage he was stage he was in. and um, You'll see him there. He's got his oxygen on, and his backpack is the oxygen cylinders. Um the night before his wedding, he was getting married up in Creel, and uh, we were all up there. And yeah, about 11 o'clock at night, we had to take him to Nine Wells Hospital. He wasn't in a good way, his temperature had shot up, he was really struggling with breathing. Um, we didn't know, we went to Nine Wells, we didn't know if there was going to be a wedding the next day. Um, we're sitting in A&E. I think our biggest fear was that his carbon dioxide levels were rising, and he was going to. Ha- and if that was the case, he would have had to stay in hospital. Hallelujah! His carbon dioxide levels came back as fine. Um, they started him with some IV antibiotics and. Uh, they just said, "No matter what, we'll get you out here in the morning for your wedding." So we all left him about half one in the morning, <laughs> yeah, to get ready for the wedding. And um, that day's all a bit of a blur, in a sense, but in a good way because it was a total. I we saw the miracle that God promised us at the start. You know, we didn't. Callum got back to the house at twelve o'clock, and the weddings at one, trying to get everybody ready. It was crazy, as all weddings are crazy anyway. But, um. It was a miracle to see him um, with the oxygen. We had oxygen cylinders everywhere for that day. We didn't know how long he would last in the day. We thought, well, if we get through the service and get a few photos and, well, you know, we get to the reception, that's great. And look, we even had him dancing. Um, Praise God for the NIV machine, because it was only at this point that Callum was starting to use it during the day, and previously he wouldn't have wanted people to see him using it, but he took it with him to the wedding, That by the time the evening came, he put on that machine, and he could really enjoy watching everybody else, and and, you know, he wasn't able to dance that night other than his one dance, Um, but you know, praise God, we afterwards said, and we promised, we said, Callum... When you get restored to full health, we're going to have another Kaylee, because Callum and Jen love a Kaylee. And, you know, and I was sad that day they couldn't dance at their Cayley. It was a great party, a great atmosphere, praise God. Um maybe if you look closely at his hands, you'll see how blue they were. He was ill by the end of it. And so next summer, we are going to have a Cayley as a fundraiser for the CF Trust. And we will see Callum and Jen dance their hearts out. Um, we're not doing a rerun of the wedding, but just giving them something back of what they didn't get to do that night. But as you can see, the two of them are absolutely made for one another. Totally in love, the pair of them. Um, he did last the whole day, the whole night at the wedding, but his honeymoon was spent in the ward at Ninewell's. He was back there at three in the morning, him and Jen, they had the room all done up for him, the honeymoon suite and everything. So not quite the normal, but you know, praise God, sometimes God I think just loves to surprise us. He had a great day, him and Jen had a great day, praise God and their commitment to one another. Um, From there on, you know, I think we all got blocked with, oh, there's a wedding coming, you know, as if suddenly he gets married and everything's going to be fine. And you suddenly wake up the next day and realise these health issues are still here. We've got to keep battling. We kept our battle had always been to get to the wedding day. And now it was, where do we go now? Um, Callum became more dependent on the NIV machine. That's what this is that he's attached to here. And this is the, the box. Um, That's a battery, so that we could take him out, because obviously it's to be plugged in, but meant we could take him out in the car or whatever. Um, He started to use that more during the day. And more and more. Um, by the time he had his transplant, he was uh, using that 24/7. He couldn't even go into the shower without it. He would so we would, They came and stayed with us, and he would so we could have a get in the bath and be on that because he just his lungs couldn't do the job anymore. There he is. That's his oxygen cylinder. This is us at his own flat, just getting him ready to go out. He had the wheelchair and everything. And you know he. So thankful for Jen, so thankful that God blessed him with a wonderful wife to care for him and support th- him at this difficult time um, It was a difficult time when we were hitting Christmas, and the cF team were fabulous, we were looking after him, but we were trying to get him to a stage of being able to refer him for transplant that word transplant. That for a long time we had resisted because I kept saying, my God's greater than transplants. My God is greater and we are praying and believing for healing for him, for those lungs to be restored. And, you know, at times, so when your prayers aren't answered, it doesn't mean that God hasn't heard you. And, you know, I'm thankful um, so much for the NHS, for modern medicine and all the things that are provided. Um, the CF team in Dundee, although they were preparing him to be referred for transplant, they also would flip the coin and they weren't too sure that he ever was going to be fit enough for transplant. And they had us go into the hospice to see the hospice telling this last Christmas, make memories because there might not be more Christmases together. And you know, where do you face up to this is the truth? Or where do you say, no, my God's greater? But I just kept saying, but you're still referring them for transplant, so we're going to focus on the transplant. And that was very much Callum and Jen. There was hope. There was always hope there in the natural. And then again, we knew God's greater than all of it. So eventually got referred. to Newcastle, it seemed to take forever, and he, on January um, he, Callum and Jane and myself and Jen's mum all went down for four days um, to Newcastle for him to be assessed. And it was quite an intense process. Um, suddenly, you know, we thought we'd got to Newcastle, that was it. It was a cert, he was going to go on the list, but it was actually a very detailed assessment and you didn't know till the last day if he was going to be good enough for the list. And that New Year's, we turned into the New Year before that. This was the verse... We, we all spent Hogmanay together as a family, which was wonderful. And you know, as we turned into the new year, we prayed together as a family and claimed that 2019 was going to be a miraculous year for Callum. And these were the words that God gave me at that time. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do you know, I don't think I realized how much in 2019 we were going to pass through the waters be pass through the rivers and walk through the fire and again i kept just going back to those verses it was a difficult time we went for the assessment and um, and praise god uh, they accepted him onto the the list to go to this is the institute of transplantation at newcastle it says we heal and teach praise god they do wonderful things down there i want to go in there and write god heals too but you know Afterwards, even, I remember speaking to one of um, Callum's consultants and uh, I wanted to tell him what a massive, uh, ch- you know, massive number of people were praying around the world for Callum. And he said to me, he wasn't a Christian, he was very aware of Christianity, shall we say, had been brought up in a Church of England school and so he was very aware of God. But he said, you know, in here we can't talk about God. And I was like, yeah, well, you can't because you're the professional, but I'm the mother, I can <laughs> Um, And he said to me, he says, well, don't tell everybody this, but he says, I agree with you. Um, God is in this, because he said, people come and thank us for everything we've done. And believe you me, what goes on down there is just second to none, amazing the care. He said, we do everything possible, but we have to stand back and wait and see what will happen and he says i know i know that i know there is something more out there than just the medical care that's seeing the miracles take place and he said believe you me we have seen miracles in this department and he said i can tell you those miracles are always there's people praying somewhere around the <laughs> around the world for them so um you know fantastic place he got put on the list so we went down january 11th of february went on the list and called oh, this is it right we're ready to go and um he was on the list for 10 weeks, uh, which maybe doesn't sound very much annoying, but at the time that was a long 10 weeks. Um, as many of you know, it was on a sixth call that he got called um, that we were going to be able to go for, tra- he was going to be able to go for transplant, but you see those previous five calls, you know, initially I remember praying, um, Lord, protect him from false calls, uh, story when there's uh, donor lungs become possibly available you have to take and they would match Callum, they call him to go down to newcastle he gets all prepared for theater whereas the donor who's passed away somewhere else they look at the lungs and look at other organs that the family are prepared to donate and the lungs are often the one organ that don't get used um They say the lungs are open to the environment, the lungs, the person has been ventilated, they've possibly had some damage. So for lung transplants, be prepared for false calls. (laughs) I'm like, I'm praying there's no false calls. That prayer wasn't answered how I wanted it to be answered. Sometimes I look back and I think those false calls were difficult, but sometimes I think it just made us fall more on our knees at Jesus and just in awe of knowing that he was in control. And um, you'll all remember he got three offers in one weekend. Um, that was just madness. Um, but you know, so the three times that we had to come home with him, you know, they'd come and say, sorry, the lungs aren't good enough. Oh, it was a long drive back to Scotland. Um, they'd have brought Callum down by ambulance. But we, Colin and I came with all the oxygen sort of feet to go home. We had oxygen to take him home with. And we just played worship music from Newcastle to Salon. Um, who can, what can you say? What comfort can you say? I always say Callum was the best out of us all. He was just like, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry. He was being so protective towards us all. Um, but oh, it hurt. It really hurt. And um, it, then a few in the one weekend and then just we were only home 48 hours and he got another call. And again, sorry, these lungs aren't good enough. And we, I was heartbroken. I didn't know how much more I could take. And yet, you know, you know, you just have to keep going. And just kept, at this point, I would say, I was struggling to pray. I just wanted to sit in God's presence. I couldn't, and that's as a church, I want to thank you for you were praying for us. You were holding us up there in front of God as a family because um, I existed at that time. um, And... I'll never be able to thank you enough and Callum and Jen too. Callum and Jen were always overwhelmed with people that they'd never met because obviously Callum's lived in Dundee for so many years. He doesn't know many of you, but I tell him you all know him. (laughs) Um, And uh, I do that night after, so we'd had five false calls and... Callum and Jen, that by this stage they had come down to live with us. It was all becoming too stressful. For them and us, we all just needed one another. And uh, they called me in the middle of the night, and Callum had a very sort of chest pain. And for the first I thought, he can't physically do this again. He is completely exhausted after this. And, you know, I did. a got before God and I said, please don't put him through this again. And Why was that prayer, you could say, answered and previous ones weren't? I I still think part of Calm's testimony is because he's been down that road and he knows the hurt and the the disappointments and um, the keep going and never letting go of God and never letting go of God's promises. And God would bring me back to scriptures where he's promised me um, that, you know, he would be well again. And you just have to keep claiming them. And um, then... It was Easter time, and the church here, as you know, we're having prayer meetings every week for Callum, and, you know, that just, honestly, you're just amazing, every single one of you. And it was Easter time, and... Callum really was struggling. I mean, nobody was putting a a length of time on his life, but we knew that he was on that NIV machine 24-7. It was just a struggle. Physio constantly, chest physio constantly, as long as we just fill up with fluid, and Jen was there constantly assisting him with physio. And um, there was a prayer meeting um, on the Tuesday night, and, um, I don't know how many of you were there that night, but all I could say is, we touched heaven that night. I don't know what was so different for me. I think over Easter, all I could think of was Mary, the mother of Jesus, how had she felt as Jesus was going to the crucifixion, a mother's heart, and you know, I just kept thinking of how she, it must have hurt, how hurt she must have been, and how you just have to trust God and I every week at the prayer meeting they would ask me to get up and I'd probably get up and give a positive scripture and you know claim the victory and, and that's absolutely right but that Tuesday I got up with a mother's heart and just said I don't know if this is right or not but I'm asking that we pray for transplant and I get it soon because Callum really doesn't have much time left and I think I spoke with an honest heart of I didn't you know it was almost like God I, I didn't know what to say And that night, we just, yeah, we all left here. I didn't leave thinking, oh, that's it. He's going to get his transplant. I left going, we've touched heaven. We have just entered into prayer in a different realm. And that's the miracle of prayer. Um, 24 hours later, there's a phone call on Callum's phone. Right, we've got another match. Um, I think, you know, at this stage, it's like, oh, yeah, this is what we really prayed for last night. But the same token, the human emotions are coming and coming. And, um we all went to newcastle and you know sometimes callum wanted people to know he was on his way to newcastle sometimes he didn't it was like it was a private thing so i never i never did anything without their say of who's to know what <laughs> leave it up to the boys. Before I knew it on Facebook, there was the ambulance taking Callum to Newcastle, (laughs) leaving our house. And I thought, well, if that's on Facebook, it's obviously happy for people to know that he's going, Callum was, because he knew the prayer, the prayer, the prayer. And that's what he said to me, please get the church praying. And as a church again, you never failed us because that night, and I can't remember who I spoke to, who did what, but back to me came a list of people who were going to be praying through the night. They had an hour slot each and I just knew that God was overseeing this. And that prayer went on for a f- couple of days after Callum's operation. The prayer never stopped, never ceasing. And I went down there, half my head thinking, we've been here before, but half of me thinking, this maybe is it, this maybe is it. And you know, the joy of um, a mother um, to get told the news that he's um, going for transplant. And this is Callum, we've been just told the news that the lungs are good enough now. Lungs are good enough, so we're going to eat a theatre, take your lungs out, you're going to intensive care for a week, and all oh, this might happen, that might happen the next, all, you know, all the risks doctors have to give you. And we're, yay, <laughs> cheering. You know, you understand that why we were cheering, but also at the same time, there's a big procedure going here. I I always wondered how we would all cope in that time when Callum got word that he was going, um, how we would fill the day. <laughs> and... You know, I look back and there was a peace about it all—a total peace. He went off. He got on the trolley and he's go leaving the room, going, "Yay, praise God!" And um, you know, he—there wasn't a ninth of fear in him. And I thought back to that day when he ended up in HDU in Nine Wells, when he was just riddled with fear. I just saw the glory of God shining out of him. We were believing for this, and the answer had come. And um, you know, that day. I don't know how we quite spent the day from one coffee shop to in the hospital, the coffee shop to the restaurant, to the um, go out and sleep in the car for a bit. Um, we knew it was going to be, so the, he left us at half ten in the morning. You see, I always say God's in the detail. Because obviously these things can happen during the night, Now I'm a midwife who's worked many a night shift, and I'm not saying we didn't do a good job overnight, but I always say people are at their best game in daylight hours, and I thought, wow, we've got the, cons- the surgeons that day have been in their beds all night, they've had their breakfast, they're ready to go. Um, I have to tell you a story, some of you may have heard this, but uh, the next day the surgeon told us that. Usually lungs with CF are very difficult to remove from the chest and they get really stuck in a lot of adhesions and when they took Callum into theatre, all his damage was really on the inside, the outside was completely smooth and they said the lungs are just going to fall out so we're not going to take them out just yet, we're going to wait until the donor lungs are here so we want, you know, it's a good lap over time, you know, we don't want to take them too soon. So not only had they had their breakfast that morning, the surgeons went and had their lunch. Callum stayed in theatre with the anaesthetist, I'm led to believe, I do hope anyway, keeping an eye on him. So when they came back, um, the new lungs were there for half one. And between half one and half four, just the miracle took place of the transplant. And that, what it was. It was a miracle how all the little things come together together. Um, I just stand in awe of watching Callum now, <laughs> because before his transplant, he couldn't eat. He was struggling. He had to live off those wee shakes to get calories into him. We knew that the weight was a big issue for him, and we all prayed for him to get his weight up, get his weight up. Um, and to see him now, he just eat, 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 everything in sight. So this was him before we went, and this then that night we got to see him. Um, only Jen and I relied in for all infection control purposes. Um, we got, so we got in to see him in ICU, the others, because there was Colin obviously, Jen's parents and her sister, we were all there. The other lovely thing is that at this stage we were all able to pray together. We gathered round Callum and we all prayed, the seven of us, and just raised God on high of the miracle that he was performing. Um, so the next day here we are. And uh, Callum gave me permission to show you this picture. He's got a lot of pictures, and a lot of them are very private. But this one, I really wanted to show you, because when Jen and I came in the next day, they had woken him up. He still is intubated, so he's still on the breathing machine. He was getting very frustrated because he wanted to talk all the time. So pen and paper all the time. And I don't know if you can see from where you're sitting. He's written, God is good. And when we went into the room, he's waving that at us. No noise coming out of his mouth. But you know, that's what he was waving at us. God is good. Um, And God is good. Oh, God is good. Uh, The next seven weeks were tough, I'll not lie. It was not a straightforward journey in ICU. Um, He only was in ICU for the week. In fact, even though I think only five or six days. But as many of you know, we had to go back to theatre after two weeks to get the pleural fluid. That's the fluid between the lungs and the chest wall. He'd had a lot of bleeding into it to get that all cleaned out. I mean, he came out of a theatre with four chest drains. By the end of it all, he'd had eight chest drains. Um, He'd had 13 units of blood transfused. Uh, You know, he, he went through a lot. And we kept just going back to that verse of you know when you go through the waters i'll be with you when you go through the rivers you'll not get you know over it will not flow over you and in the fire you'll not get burned because that was a tough seven weeks down in newcastle i don't think any of us um were really quite prepared for how difficult it was going to be when we're down there and again you guys are all praying for us as multiple people around the world supporting us carrying us and all we'd ever thought about in the practical terms was getting the transplant believed in you me, your prayers carried us through those next seven weeks. It was a really difficult journey. The pain control was really tough for Callum, but we never looked back on um, what God has done. As I say, miracles, total miracle. We thank God for the wonders of modern medicine. And so here we are. Uh, now. Here, so this was April 25th, he had his operation. So and this was my lovely three boys again. They're no longer the wee ones. They've grown up. This was them in September. Um, there's Callum in the middle. We're all, we all went away as a family to Loch Lomond for a few days. To see him come from strength to strength, I mean, when he got home from hospital, you did, I did sort of think, will he ever have strength again? Will he ever be out of pain? And suddenly, it's just been up, 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 up. So we continue to thank God. Um, we're not at the end of the road. We'll never. None of us are ever at the end of the road. We always have to keep trusting God for the future. Callum, you know, they're quite straight to the point down in Newcastle. Their words are, comply or die, meaning it's anti-rejection medication. You take that twice a day for the rest of your life. You miss a dose, and your body starts to say, no, I don't want these new lungs. Um, it's the one good thing of having had, you know, dealing with cystic fibrosis all these years, Callum was well used to medication, routine treatments. Um, so that's not difficult for him. It's not. And, you know, he's very regimented. He's got the app on his phone, it bleeps when he has to have any medication. And, um, you know, I told you before he'd been blessed with a great job before all this started. That company have kept his job for him. He's going back to work this month. Um, last week he was back in Newcastle he will have to go up and down to Newcastle for the rest of his life he'll be having checkups down there as time goes on they'll be further apart um, they had a bronchoscopy they had a look into his lungs um, one of them they had to do a wee procedure on it was just the joints of the bronchus um, was a wee bit of scar tissue so they've sorted that out he's back home and suddenly his lung functions have gone way way up he's feeling in tip-top form and um, he has to go back up and down then that next couple of weeks um, just to keep things in check but yeah plan is back to work at the end of the month they've had their honeymoon they went to Wales for two weeks in September because remember their honeymoon was Ward 3 and 9 Wales Hospital the original honeymoon so I think this one was a lot better um praise God our family have lived under this diagnosis of cystic fibrosis. And obviously, I feel for Aaron and Alistair because they are, you know, as many people think, well, oh, if that happened to your big brother, that's going to happen to you. And we take claim over that, that no, just because that's Callum's story, that doesn't mean it's theirs. And, you know, God's hand is upon each one of us in this room. He has a plan for each one of us. And I never want you to, to think, sometimes people think, oh, you it's amazing what you've been through, Pam. You've coped so well. There's nothing special about us, believe you me. There is nothing special about us. It's God who's the miracle worker. And no matter what your circumstances are, whatever you deal with in your family, um, just know that God knows about it and hand it over to him. And although we have to deal with things on a daily basis and, uh, you know, everybody's lives are up and down, know that God's carrying you through those up and down days. Um, I'm just in awe of the great God that we serve. Um, In our living room, this is what sits over the um, fireplace. Nothing is impossible with God. And so when you sit in our living room, that's what you have to look at. And that's the constant declaration, the daily de- declaration. You know, claim God's word <laughs> and your circumstances, your life, whatever family member is ill. Um, at the time we had that um, prayer meeting at Easter time, Aaron and Lindsay, it would have been Caleb's 16th birthday at that time. And I was really humbled because I thought, Lord, I've had Callum for 24 years and I thank you for those 24 years and as Lindsay and Aaron don't know the reason that Caleb only lived for 59 minutes we don't they don't know we don't know we'll never maybe when we get to heaven we'll understand it all but God uses every situation for his glory and for his good and I think it was that night I almost was, I was just humbled to think. Well, if they only had Caleb for 59 minutes, why am I complaining? I've had Callum for 24 years. And if this is time that I have to let him go, I'll let him go. But Lord, I know that I'm just going to trust you. And whatever comes, I know that you're in control of this. So though I was always taking claim of the victory, claiming God's word um, over Callum's life, as the Bible tells us to do, going back to that verse about the fruit of what we speak, we have to speak life over it. Just the peace that comes when we really say, God, it's all yours. It wasn't up to what I did or what any of us did with Callum or whatever. God negotiated, navigated his journey. And I just want to give all praise and glory to our Heavenly Father for answered prayer and for that declaration, for with God nothing, nothing shall be impossible. Praise God.